This is your weekly film podcast, for the most part. Uh, and uh, with me, as usual, is my co-host, Eric Sayor. Hello. I'm ready to talk about murders today. Oh, yeah. So so much murder and mystery and <laughs> intrigue uh, in this uh, Brian De Palma episode. Um, two movies that are... I mean they're very connected to each other yeah uh and uh, i know actually something about the behind the scenes so we'll go more into that as we go along but uh, they're two sort of uh two uh very hitchcock influenced films to say the least um <laughs> <laughs> yeah very very much uh the poem is an interesting director is he's like a, uh we we talk he's like a director's director like yeah. Like uh, every, if you follow like any modern director on Twitter, they talk about him so much. Like Del Toro and Edgar Wright and um, Chris McCreary. Yeah, it's always it's always the questions of what are your favorite De Palma films? What is the best De Palma film? Yeah, yeah, and even even his peers from when he was starting, they all refer to him kind of as like. The guy that you went to when you wanted to get good notes um you know so he was casting star wars at the same time as he was casting carrie um a film we will cover eventually um and so yeah like him and that sort of new hollywood crew they were all very close um and De palma and uh john milius were like the the people that you went to to look over your stuff and like give it a good eye we're like you could change that you could you could make some differences there you yeah, maybe you should uh, not do that part <laughs> or <laughs> take that part out uh, uh at least that's my understanding of their relationship to each other um so yeah he's a very interesting guy um so yeah i guess that's a that's yeah. sort of a good overview um and he, i will bring up that he is frequently you know called sort of a Hitchcock um, knockoff artist by people that don't like what he does, <laughs> uh, and people that do like what he does say that he is a a frequent uh, Hitchcock homage. Er, uh, I don't know if er goes at the end of that, but whatever. Uh, English language changes every day, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, so that's a that's a that's a constant part of De Palma's saga it's it's really evident on the in the first movie we'll yes. talk about that it he's very inspired by Hitchcock but I feel like um he he does with shooting a mystery film with color what Hitchcock did in black and white mm-hmm. like he's great at um at like color contrast and giving life to a picture in the way that Kid Shot could never have done just because of the limits of the medium at the time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and for and so one of the interesting things about Trust to Kill is it's also 
it's very sexual <laughs> in a way that Hitchcock was he was his films were sexual but they were it was all um below the surface it was never as explicit as uh specifically dressed to kill gets uh, yes. uh particularly <laughs> in the opening few minutes yeah uh, you say gets but it starts like the opening scene is more uh almost more uh, yeah sexual than some software porn you would see on hbo <laughs> yeah yeah, there there were moments in this where I was like, "Wow, okay, <laughs> okay, all right." Uh, and I mean, when Nancy Allen is uh, trying to seduce Michael Caine, I was like, "All right, a lot of like a lot of guys making porn in the eighties and nineties were directly copying this scene, <laughs> very evidently, just in the way that they shot it and the way that she's dressed." Um, and it's it's very interesting to watch uh, a mainstream movie that did that, um, and I imagine in 1980 this must have been an incredibly controversial movie just on that alone. Um, like I wonder how many theaters showed it. Yeah, yeah, I do wonder, but I wonder if it was a thing where the theaters that all that would show like regular movies in the daytime and porn movies at night if they would show this in the middle as like the <laughs> you know transition yeah. yeah as the transition film like okay this is we're, we're phasing out the you know the movies for the normal folks uh if you come back in another hour it's just gonna be sex the whole time uh so yeah i'm i'm curious about that i would like to go back in time and and see how this movie played and what kind of people went into this movie and what they expected it to be um because that's just as interesting as the movie itself who actually goes to one of these movies yeah i'm just looking at the the page for just to kill and seeing it one uh both like Yes. Nancy Allen won a Golden Globe for Best New Star and a Raspberry for Worst Actress of the Year. Yep. <laughs> but so did Michael Caine, which is just shocking to me. Uh, this movie won a lot of raspberries also. Yeah. Um, this is... It feels like completely out of place. Like, I wouldn't even have thought a second while watching it that it's a, a bad, like, yeah. not at all. No, it's, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't read like a bad movie to me, at all. And I don't think, I don't think any of the acting is bad. It's all elevated for sure. Um, it's definitely a very elevated form of of acting that they're doing. Um, with maybe the exception of Keith Gordon, who's playing it very understated, and he's Peter Miller, uh, Angie Dickinson's son, uh, in the film. Harry Potter. Uh, yes, <laughs> Harry Potter. Yes, yes he's, he's Harry Potter on my notes because the resemblance is uncanny. It, it's like, pretty good. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, when uh, Christopher Columbus was looking for a Harry Potter uh, actor, he just looked at this and, like, oh, I'm looking for a guy that looks exactly like this. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. Yeah, that's... That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> that's that's gonna stick with me, but yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. Um, 
and he and he's also like he's kind of a predecessor to like um Macaulay Culkin in the Home Alone movies almost because uh, he's like a tech kid or whatever who like builds his own gadgets um but he's like believable <laughs> like yeah he's he's like he's like a teen computer nerd like yeah yeah uh i mean he's and he it's interesting because he's the kind of character like you could see him like in a in a in an mcu movie or something you know yeah as like, like a like, yeah he felt like super right as a character like a character you'd see in modern films fit easily and he's good i like him a lot i i I was almost afraid that he'd end up having a relationship with uh oh yeah yeah i was i was worried about that i'm not not sally uh i'm mixing up the movies uh, right, it's it's a and Nancy Allen's yeah. character. Yeah, Nancy Allen. It, it's Liz. it's easy to confuse Liz. them. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Liz. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I was worried about that too, but I think that they they ride the line, and um, she she's firmly in more of a like bigger sister, older sister yeah. camp. Um, but there are moments where it's like. This is a little bit weird. This scene feels like it's going somewhere else. And I, I do wonder if the Peter character was a, older initially. Um, or I, I just wonder if that's how the character is. Like, she's just flirty by nature. Yeah. She always seems flirty by nature. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. can believe that. Okay, I think it's, a, it's maybe one of those movies that's interesting to go through the plot and maybe talk about scenes as we go through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's and fair. Both of the movies we're talking about today, because they're very, a lot of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. So many <laughs> things. So I, I, I love the opening scene. Like yes. we, it's, it, you can make fun of it and it's, it's too much. Like I'll it say is. it's too it much. It's too much. It's, but, but like, just the opening shot of the camera slowly, slowly going through the door and into the bathroom. Uh, the 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 guy shaving the, her her husband uh, her new husband shaving, yeah. and she's just uh, masturbating in the shower, just next to him. It's it's pretty it's pretty great. Uh, <laughs> as dream sequences go, yeah, it's, it's very. It's it's very dreamlike, which is how a dream sequence should feel. Um, and I had to remind myself of that sequence because when you get to the end, there's another dream sequence. But I didn't realize it was a yeah. dream sequence at first. Me like, neither. Yeah. Uh, Even and, though it's pretty evident. Yeah. Like, and yeah. Yeah. And I, I wrote down in my notes, uh, "Okay, Brian, show some restraint," <laughs> because. <laughs> Because it then cuts to her and her husband having really, really bad sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. Like, it's... It, it, sex out of um, a, a, a Tommy Wiseau film. Yes. Yes, it's, it, it actually did remind me of that for, like, a second. Because I was like, where is, where is his penis in orientation to her body? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he watched this film and it's like, oh, that's how he sh- <laughs> Sixteen, possibly. I mean, it's not. It's not beyond Tommy Wiseau at one bit. Uh, mm. 
Yeah, uh, so I guess, and I don't want to go into the plot either, but I do, I think some, some of the themes of this movie, I guess, are an interesting place to go with this. Um, and I think sex is just an overwhelming theme throughout this movie. Yeah, uh, yeah because the next, like, following their morning, she just had her psychiatrist ask him, like, they're both asking each other if they want to have sex with each other. It's very, like... Very honest. Yeah, and it's 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 a, like a very biblical approach to what happens when somebody is seeking sex. Like it's it's a it's very much like a not a fairy tale, but it's a, a it's a morality play. Um, you know, the fact that you know Angie Dickinson dies. Spoilers uh, for anybody who wasn't gonna see the movie. Uh, but also the the next character who takes over her job is uh, as sex worker as we would say nowadays uh, uh dennis franz does not use terms like that at all <laughs> not no. once uh he is much more aggressive in his uh way of describing her um but yeah um dennis franz by the way he's he's in both of these films he's played the same character just <laughs> he's not changing anything except for his clothes um but he's really good. I, I like him in both in both roles. He works really well. Um, but yeah, where was I going with that? I don't know. Like it, it's it's very much about like uh, like you said, sex and the power dynamics that come with it, and desire and how it can ruin you. But it's never it's never really presented as something bad, like to desire mm -hmm. someone. Like, uh, like especially in that first scene when Michael Caine is just going like, yeah, I want to have sex with you, but I love my wife and I don't want to ruin my marriage. Like, wanting to have sex with someone else is normal. Yeah. Being yeah. attracted to someone that's not your significant other is normal. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a, in some ways it's, that's a very progressive thing to say out loud i guess uh, yeah to just acknowledge and, and, that yeah and in both though the films we're going to talk about like he presents liz and sally as like just normal human beings that mm -hmm. that they they're, they're, like sex is the work for them and that's it yeah it's not defines them it doesn't define them they're not worse person for it like he, like uh liz is a great person actually like she mm -hmm. she she befriends the kid and like they have a like good honest brotherly sisterly relationship and it's like yeah. it's never something that's so bad yeah and yeah and someone asked liz like um do you ever have sex when you're not paid for it and she gives a very honest respectful answer yeah when somebody's when i uh, when somebody turns me on um which is what somebody should say in that situation yeah. <laughs> it's just a very yeah and then the end but yeah her the predicament of the film comes from her being in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of um and it and yeah it's all very it's very tense in some parts um and in a lot of parts like yeah because the scene that follows that scene with the psychiatrist and they're in the museum. She's in the museum 
basically just cruising for sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is, and that's actually a great, great scene from beginning to end. Maybe my favorite thing in the movie. It's <laughs> yes, it's, it's the most all, impressive it's, scene I think. Definitely. Yeah, it's super. Ten. It starts out very fun, like she's looking at the painting of a woman. Then she's looking at a, a, a just a couple touching each other a bit at the museum, like mm-hmm. like having a, a a fun relationship. And then she's looking at a very funny painting of a gorilla that it kept cutting to. I liked a lot. That gorilla is so good. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> that that whole museum and the sequence after in the uh is it a hotel room or an apartment building i can oh it's his tell. apartment okay it's yeah. His, yeah it's his apartment yeah yeah, yeah. That, but yeah when it starts becoming her the guy sits next to her and she's just trying to look flirty mm-hmm. but not like at start she's just trying a bit trying to make him not notice her or just trying to look attractive to him. She shows her wedding ring to make it her, her seem even more attractive, which is, I don't know about. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're cruising in museums, that's a very uh, attractive thing. <laughs> yeah, what... I guess. <laughs> I mean, if you're cruising for another married person, I guess that's a, yeah, that could be a thing. Um, Cause... But the guy felt definitely not married. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, I did. I didn't think it was weird that there was a big moment about the fact that he had VD. Um, I, I, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but that didn't seem like a big deal to me. I don't know. Uh, it just no. For me, it's it's like the Hitchcock moment. It's it's like the the psycho moment. Right. You're like. Like when you're so invested in the in the character that uh, like you you become invested in what's happening to the character. Like she learned she has a, she she's probably gonna get a syphilis off that random guy for having sex with him. It's the consequences mm-hmm. of her act, and right. it's super dramatic with the music. She gets into the elevator. She forgot her wedding ring. She has to go back up. It's all coming down crashing on her and then she gets killed and the story right, okay, changes yeah. completely like right, for okay. me it's a great great moment it is it does it does sell it i guess it sells the it leads you to believe that maybe she will be around for a bit longer it does work on that level like, um i i knew nothing about the film like nothing at all and i was I was shocked, like those people are shocked watching, were shocked probably watching Psycho in the 60s. You know what I mean? Like, I thought yeah. she was going to be the main character of the film. I had no idea what was going to happen. I thought she was going to start killing people. Oh. Oh, that would be interesting, actually. So, I, I thought she was the one dressed to kill. I had no idea, you know? <laughs> so then she just dies, and the movie changes, and I'm like, oh. Yeah, I guess I'm just watching Psycho again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it kind of is Psycho again in, in a number of ways. Uh, yeah, I, so I, so I think I knew I knew like that twist, but I think I forgot it um, before going into it <laughs> uh, because I had seen the De Palma documentary, um, 
So I definitely had it in the back of my mind, but then I remembered uh, once she left the, once she went back up the elevator, um, once she went through the, yeah. and the seeing the little girl, that was an interesting bit. I thought that scene was played really well, and it's all silent also, for the most part. Um, you know, the With little girl really very doesn't talk. Dramatic music. Yes. He's... The Pomo is so good at music cues, like, mm-hmm. almost better than... Like, it's noticeable how timed it is, but it's always great. The music is always really good, and it's always, like, just the right timing to make something more stressful or make something more intense. Or... In fact, I think those are the only two <laughs> two real emotions those pieces <laughs> bring to me. Yeah. Yeah, those are... <laughs> Those are his uh, finer, finer points, I guess, um, for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, his and and this this score is very. Um, it doesn't feel like it ever ends, and it just keeps on building on top of what came before it. Um, but it's at this, also at the same time there are moments where it sits nicely in the background, and it doesn't really take your attention away from the rest of the movie um well this like you said it accents the scenes that it needs to accent very well um so it's a very effective score on multiple levels he, he's also really good at in both of those films I, i'll say again at making very intense uh foot chase scenes yes <laughs> like that back and forth I go back to the museum because I think it's like one of my favorite scenes I've seen in a film in a while just it stays with me just them following each other the glove every single element of that scene it's how it's shot yeah always frame like you see what she sees and it's very good like first third person mm-hmm. uh, camera it, it, and the music in that scene also super intense. Like yeah. without music, it's not the same scene. But the perfect is the perfect cue for that the the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that scene is great. And then I love the taxi chase quite a bit. Yes, um, I love when <laughs> I love when Nancy Allen like falls down and then picks herself back up and then she fixes her jaw. Um, <laughs> Like that felt like a bit of uh, physical comedy, and she just she just nailed that. She is incredibly funny just in the choices that she makes in this movie, um, and in Blowout to some degree. But in this movie, I felt like she was having a lot of fun. No, she she's she's, I think better in this film than in Blowout. She just for me the character felt fun and real and just mm-hmm. always entertaining. And, yeah. like, always believable in her emotions, which she's, like, the most important thing in a performance. And I don't yeah. I don't understand at all that raspberry thing. For me, it makes no sense. <laughs> maybe it's the standard of the time. You know, maybe, I think, I think maybe the, the sexual nature, nature of the film made it feel like it was, like, more raunchy and not as smart and high... I don't know. Yeah. Not as well seen as it is today. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, the, yeah, the raspberry thing. Uh, I think it was just like peak 80s is very over the top and very elevated as far as performances but they are still coming off of the 70s in when this comes out so i feel like elevated performances weren't as appreciated i feel like naturalism was more appreciated probably um yeah and so yeah i feel like for this kind of movie they wanted something more naturalistic you know, if you're doing like a if you're doing a thriller, you want something where everybody's playing a real person, I guess. And she's not nece- again, she's not necessarily playing a real person. Um, I do think that, that person exists now, but I don't think at the time uh, Liz was yeah. necessarily a real individual. Um, at least not one who was as interesting as I find her to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the twist of this film because I think it's it's like I didn't expect it at all. Like it's a good twist, but it's just like bad by today's standards. Like really, yeah, really not, not not what I was expecting, and you're not good. It's it's the most dated part of the whole thing. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Other other than um uh fuck, what's her name um. Other than uh, Angie Dickinson's um, uh, grooming, let's say, <laughs> uh, that's the most, the most dated part of the whole movie. Uh, and again, because I did have in the back of my mind the basic idea of this movie. W- once I remembered the twist, I was like, oh, 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 I know where this is going to go. <laughs> and I was not happy with it. Um, but I, I, do have, I do think we have to place ourselves in 1980. Yeah. Um, like, Silence of the Lambs isn't even out yet, and you know. the Crying Game isn't even out yet. Um, not for another ten years. Uh, also, it's almost it's just Psycho again. Yeah, it is. Like it's and it's it, it's like Psycho. I felt is more forgivable, mm. but this this is just like. Uh, like I feel like I'm definitely judging it by today's standards, but I, by today's standards, it's especially oh, no, yeah. bad. You couldn't like, make I, this with the same twist now. Yeah, no, no, I, no. I, I, like it made me like the movie way less. Like I have to say that I, I couldn't. Like if I had seen this movie like 20 years ago, if I was the age I am now, and the with the how bad the world was then, because I think. I'll say bad because everything on that end is way better now. I think it, I'd have liked it more as a whole, but it kind of just ruined it a bit for me. Interesting. Like I, I, I felt like if it was another, not Michael Caine, just another patient, like we were meant, like make believe that it was, yeah. that was just a, a, a trans woman killer. That's not like also, uh, like to a double personality thing that just probably made a lot of people at the time think that that's how trans people are. Yeah, I I think that that's the real problem with it is that they made him split personality, whereas I think that's that's actually like the split personality thing is kind of more like really to me at this point because like. 
like even a movie like Split, that's a cartoon version of Split personality. If you see that movie and you think that that's how Split personality works, you have a problem because they clearly differentiate that from real Split personality. Uh, whereas this, this is Split is a super villain movie. Like you're not right. even yeah, it's not the yeah, and like his Split personalities like gain abilities. <laughs> real people don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> if you <laughs> anyways but yes like that's that was actually more like ew to me uh, yeah. uh like really we're, we're doing that uh, but again like i do have to put myself in the context of like yeah. this is 1980 so i cut some slack but even though i do it still does give me like kind of a bad taste in my mouth you know you know what's really weird it's the trans uh um not the trans interview that's shown on TV at the moment during the film. Yes. Like, like it's a really great scene of uh, Michael, is it Michael Caine looking at the interview on TV? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Caine yeah. looking at the interview on TV and on the other side, it's, um, it's Nancy Allen doing two phone calls at the same time and like, a great actually scene where she's calling the guy to make the investment that her client at the beginning of the movie told her to do and making a call to get clients to get the thousand dollars she's going to invest it's really <laughs> yes it's like great. like like she's shown to be like a smart investor she's like oh no leave all my other placements in the place they are i'm mm-hmm. happy with my interest rates it's it's really great and she's she's smart because she's investing in multiple things like she's investing in art which is a really smart thing to do like don't put your money all in one place if you want investment (laughs) tips watch dress to kill people uh (laughs) if you want real Uh, investment tips just at me on twitter right yes that that too that too but uh but yeah the the what what was I going to say? Yeah, I was saying she he's like um, Michael King is looking at the the trans interview on TV, and that's like that felt mm-hmm. actually super progressive, which is why I was like, oh, this movie is doing very, very smart, like very mm-hmm. advanced for the time stuff, showing that on TV, showing it as a smart thing, showing her as a just a person, right, talking about her experience in life. I mean, I didn't research this, but I do know, I'm not sure if that was a fabrication for the movie, but I do know that that was a real interview, where that's uh, uh, Donahue, um, and I don't know if he translates to Canada, but he's like a predecessor to Jerry Springer, um, but he's like nice Jerry Springer, um, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know who Jerry Springer is. I'm very sorry. I have no reference for that. I grew up in French Canada. I didn't even watch TV in English until I was like 15 years old. I didn't know Jerry Springer hadn't translated. No, I I, I know the name. No, I know the name. If you ask someone that's from Toronto, maybe he'll he'll, he'll probably watch that stuff. But I'm like, from where I'm from, I just don't have those cultural references. Well, I guess I can give some context. Yeah. So Jerry Springer is a guy who like... He would he would have like uh, white supremacists and Black Panthers on the same show, and he would just let them yell at each other. 
okay. that was his thing. And he would interview them very seriously and very candidly. And sometimes he would get aggressive and he would yell at people who were making him angry. Donahue is the nicer, kinder, more thoughtful version of that. Uh, he wouldn't invite, like... I mean, he might have invited white supremacists on, but he would, like, really, like, try to get into their head and trying to figure out why they were doing what they were doing. Um, so he would have people, he would have trans people on his show, he would have any number of people who were not accepted by the wider world on and just talk to them very frankly and treat them like human beings. Um, and he was, and it, he was sort of the beginning of that kind of show in America, um, and that didn't really happen before just a mm. person talking to somebody about their life for a long period of time is he the inspiration for Do- probably the inspiration for Donnie who in the next <laughs> blowout possibly uh most I likely <laughs> he has the same name so yeah. okay I, that's interesting because like yeah that part felt like very very good and made me think I was watching something different than I was. Yeah. But... Yeah. All right. Um, I think we're good on Dress to Kill for the moment. Wait, I think so. I think there's a, just a couple more scenes I just want to talk about quickly, okay. maybe for end. Yeah. Uh, I I love that the cop makes her believe he's not helping her at all, but in the end he's just a good cop, and he has yeah that girl cop follow her. Mm-hmm. I did like that. I, I did like that the, the that, that was sort of a persona that he was putting on. And I guess we we should talk about the last scene a little bit in the dream sequence. Yeah. Just, Be, because that was... The, yeah. Just before uh, that last scene, the scene in the restaurant, I don't know if you noticed, well, at the end, uh, just before yeah. that, that dream scene, when... Um, she uh when liz is explaining to uh peter to harry potter yeah uh <laughs> to she's explaining to her how um a transsexual uh operation worked at the time yeah and there's that woman just behind him that was yes. making disgusting faces like the most it's the, the funniest scene in the world because she's just telling the story all lighthearted. she has a big smile on her face probably because she she sees that woman just having the most disgusted face in the world like being shocked and shocked again it's the yes. funniest scene in the whole film it's really good and you're like oh she has no context really probably for everything that's happened so she probably didn't hear all of it so she's yeah. just hearing somebody talk about a, a very invasive surgery. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, that old woman is gold. Like, yes. It feels so out of place in this film, but not really. And it's just such a good, like, cool down. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking the movie's going to end. Right. And then it hits you with the dream sequence. <laughs> yes, I, I, I do want to talk about that scene just a little bit longer, which is... And it's something that's throughout the movie, and it's in Blowout as well, is the the split diapter shots in this movie. They're freaking gorgeous. Um, and it's any scene where you have two characters in focus at the same time. That's a split diapter shot for anybody who's never heard of what a split diapter is. Um, but it's basically a slide is put in the middle of the camera lens, 
and it allows the camera to focus on two objects at the same time and have everything else be blurry. Um, so that's why you have scenes like uh, with Keith Gordon outside of the um, captain's office listening in on Michael Caine, and you, you know, and then you cut to Michael Caine and he's in focus, and then Nancy Allen is in the background and she's also in focus at the same time, and all of the split diopter shots, all of them are just, just some of them are just the most gorgeous thing, and that scene with the woman in the background reacting, that's also a split diopter. Um, and you can tell because things will be maybe a little bit shaky. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the, um, the, the background around them might change or shift as the shot goes on. Um, but yeah, like, that's just something in both of these movies that's really interesting to look out for. Um, and when you see it, you'll know what it is. And when you notice it, you notice it when other people are doing it in movies, and you're like, Oh, split diopter shot. That's cool. That's that's interesting. Uh, so, camera techniques, guys. Slowly teaching you things. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the dream sequence. <sighs> okay. So uh, the Michael Michael Caine in this dream sequence, he chokes a nurse to death in a very like. I want to. I almost want to say Arkham ish. Yeah, exactly. That's a hospital. That's, that's the thing I was talking about. It's just a bunch of like. It looks like a. Yeah, it, exactly. It looks like an Arkham hospital, and they're basically cheering like they're like prisoners by the horde are cheering like they're watching gladiators fight. Mm-hmm. As he, yeah, he. He strips the nurse, and I think we're supposed to presume that he snuck out in the nurse's oh. costume, uh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why, before I realized it was a dream sequence, I was like, really, Brian? <laughs> really? <laughs> you, I'm a big... you... Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of ju- you just calling him Brian. <laughs> I'm, that's uh, Brian, really, Brian. Really, <laughs> really, De Palma. Um, I would just call him Brian. I would not address him by his full name. I would just, hey, hey, Brian. Uh, <laughs> very informally. Um, but yeah, like uh, that scene before again before I realized it was a dream sequence. I was like, okay, am I? I'm supposed to go along with this after this whole movie where, for the most part, he doesn't. He doesn't diverge from reality that much, other than in the first dream sequence. Um, he he stays pretty grounded, for the most part. Um, and that scene almost had me turning against the movie, until I realized where it was going. Um, and but I do really like how that dream sequence ultimately play, ultimately plays out. I like the I like the setup of the shoes a lot. Oh yeah, it's really great. <laughs> And then uh, Nancy reaching for another razor. I kind of wish that they had had like a straight razor fight, like a, <laughs> like a straight razor sword fight almost. Uh, that would have like been out of Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Uh, Michael Caine, yeah, and uh, her doing a straight razor fight. That would have been very fun. Um, but yeah, that that it's very effective, and I do like that. That's where the movie ends. 
I do think that's a good place to end. Sort of one last, you know, freak out, one last moment of uh, suspense before cutting. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's a <laughs> dress to kill. Uh, I I would definitely suggest anybody interested in watching it to watch it. Um, if you tend to lean more towards Eric's side with some of those issues that we brought up, maybe not. But if you're, I'd still honestly recommend it. But like, it's this stuff is bad. Watch it yeah. knowing that. But yes. Suspense-wise, it does very good things that I haven't seen done other than Hitchcock. Yeah. 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 It's it's very effective. <laughs> like maybe just watch it until until uh, Angie Dickinson's character dies. Like that's a great like short movie. Yeah, that's a, yeah. You could do that definitely. <laughs> no, um... Don't do that. Watch it whole. But that that just watch the. If you're just gonna watch one scene, watch that museum scene. It's mm-hmm. it, it it's one of the greats. Yeah, it's it's very good. All right, uh, let's move on to what I'm calling. I'm gonna call it the sequel, even though it's not a sequel, but it's a sequel to me. Uh, Blowout um, released one year later, <laughs> uh, and it, it started development while they were working on Dress to Kill. Um, that's why Nancy Allen is in both movies. Um, that's why the shots are so similar. Um, the plot is actually not that dissimilar. Um, really, (laughs) it's pretty close actually. Um, but there's more of a conspiracy angle to this movie. Um, it does have a a very different theme mm-hmm. about like about the truth and when it's worth pursuing it and what does it bring and it's it's very interesting in that uh, search like uh, John Travolta John Travolta Travolta's arc yeah is very uh, depressing it's it ends very badly compared to that the first film. Yes, yes, and 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 it's it's and this movie is also, it's kind of tongue in cheek, you know, like it opens the way that uh, Dress to Kill ends, oddly enough, with uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> with that woman in the shower uh, getting stabbed, um, and and I love that we established that John Travolta is kind of, he's a character who isn't necessarily doing his best that he could be doing you know he's kind of a lifer um and he's kind of a broken person in the beginning yeah he he, yeah he's broken he fucked up he he just does that work because it brings him money and he knows how to do it but he does very much the minimum but Mm -hmm. at the same time he really likes what he does like he that that um you see him go in uh, uh, when he goes in the woods, and mm-hmm. he's just picking up sounds, and he's just having the time of his life. Like he's just listening to stuff and finding the good si- the good sounds. Yeah, he's very curious, um, and it's it shows. He has like a very childlike way of doing his job, um, and you know, like 
he loves spying on that couple a little bit. Like, he kind of enjoys it. And he kind of enjoys it. The woman is a little bit creeped out by it. Because he's like, Haha, yeah. I know something you don't know. Um, in a weird way. But yeah, like, that, that scene and, is really well done also. And those intros have a lot of... Uh, uh, that movie has a lot of, like, uh, sound equipment porn, I'd call it. Yes. Yes. If you're, if you're a tech person, like, old school tech... Uh, if you're someone who like loves like old stereos, old speakers, like tapes, just yes. like like tapes being like uh, rolled and rolled back and sound coming mm -hmm. out of it and like being synced, it's it's very satisfying to watch. Yes, if your favorite thing in Mindhunter was the opening sequence, you will love or the opening credits, you will love uh, Blowout quite a bit <laughs> uh, because there's a lot of that in there. Um, And there's similar DNA, actually. Like, there are moments uh, that I could point out from Mindhunter that feel like direct homages to Blowout. Because um, Fincher likes De Palma and he likes Hitchcock, which we'll talk about more when we do that episode someday. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, there's a lot of tech porn, I guess, for anybody who anybody <laughs> who just likes old technology in general. Um, yeah. It's very interesting. And old film stuff, actually. Just like if you're interested in older ways of making movies. Because that's... It, it's very different now. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of people on computers now compared to at the time. Yeah. Like, it's... It says something about, like, making films and, like, how Travolta and his uh, director have made five films together in two years. Yeah. But... It still, it still feels like they're making them lovingly, even if they're like schmups, mm -hmm. like like bad horror films. But there's still th that love for the movie making that comes from both the Palma and the characters. Like they're, they're they like what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. They're they're still proud, kind of, of their arts, and you, you like that intro, that intro sequence of. The, the 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 film they're currently making making um and it goes around and like it's it's bad it's a bad movie evidently but you see the, but you see the sounds being stacked one on top of the other with the heartbeat and all that and it's all very noticeable and there's that that love that the palma has for that style of filmmaking that's yeah. shown Yeah, he clearly has like a love for the craft of filmmaking, um, even if he's going to be, you know, taking it down a little bit. Um, but yeah, he like he he has an appreciation for little like goofs and mistakes and you know dumb little things that make it through. Clearly, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an actual film he worked on where something like the scream that is central to this movie came through. Uh, because that scream is awful, by the way. It's really bad, the scream that they initially use. Uh, I, I forgot how terrible it was from when I first saw the movie. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, and then I love the director also. He, yeah. <laughs> he feels so authentic. I feel like that guy definitely existed. Um, but I do love when he's trying to, when he is himself trying to audition those two girls to scream and none of them are any good. Um, but that's the, thing, <laughs> the scream is a joke for so much of the movie, but then it pays then it, off. 
Oh yes, it's it's incredible that he just uses uh, Sally's scream from when she dies. It's like the perfect scream, and mm -hmm. it, it fits so well. And the director loves it, and he's just sad. Mm -hmm. And it's so it's the, the the it's the saddest part of the film. Yeah, and, and watching that again, it's like it's a good scream. It's a good scream. It's a good scream. And he's just sweating profusely. And he's just like mumbling to himself. And then that whole... Him like sitting in the snow on that table is so sad. It's, it's just heartbreaking. Uh, this yeah. whole movie is a... It's it's very melancholy at the end. Um, which feels like... Maybe that was a response to Dress to Kill. I don't know. I, I, would, I need to look into the Dress to Kill behind the scenes a little bit more. But I feel like they might have had to change the ending to that movie at some point. And maybe this is like De Palma being like, I'm going to make a sad ending this time. I'm, I'm going to end it on a real downer. Because this movie, everything goes bad for Travolta. Like yes. everything he tries to do is counteracted by that weird killer guy. Yes. Like, uh... he, he's like out of place on every scene like he's just a fucked up weird dude yeah john lithgow i he kind of nails it for me because <laughs> and like i and my, the way i've thought about it is okay so this is a guy who always wanted to be a serial killer and he's using this as his chance to be one but he's using it as like it's like a cover for the thing that he really wants to do um and he's he's all using it to justify itself um but like the fact that he's working for the telephone company is just creepy uh and i love the way that that's set up and it's like oh he's in a telephone booth wearing that hat okay well that just means that he's a working man and that gives you a sense okay well he's just a working guy who was given like extra money to do this job or something obviously but then as it goes on it's like Oh, this guy can like hack your phone lines and make it seem like uh, you answered when you really didn't, and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, I can see how you how you might be out of place, though. No, no, I, I, I say out of place, but it's like it feels very voluntary, like to make him feel yeah. so outlandish. The I love the first scene you see him. It's it's a, such a great shot. Like he's overlooking like a. Uh, uh, I think it's a kind of big mall, and uh, she's go the girl is going down the escalator, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful shot. Yeah, it's it's really gorgeous. The music in that scene is really good, and that whole scene of him following her, and I love the fake out of that scene. Also, it's also just really well done. Um, and the way that he kills that girl is just brutal. Uh, just really kind of gruesome. But it's also, like, it's really well shot at the same time. Like, he makes a construction site look gorgeous, uh, De Palma. Um, and uh, Milos Zygmunt, uh, I think? Uh, yeah, yeah, Vil Vilmos Zygmunt. Um, they just, they make things that shouldn't be beautiful look absolutely stunning on film um 
and it's really amazing to see. Uh, and he, 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 he uses a lot more, like, he, he goes for noir more in this movie than he does in Dress to Kill. Um, there's a lot more just, like, starkly, darkly lit shots in this movie. Um, which is something that I appreciate is that it's visually both complementary to Dress to Kill, but it's also very different at the same time. He, he, uh... I like the scene when um, he tries to chase the subway uh, mm-hmm. by using his jeep through the parade, <laughs> and it reminds me of that chase scene from um, uh, the French Connection. Yeah, which yeah. is maybe also in is it, is it also in Philadelphia? I don't remember. No, that's uh, that one's New York. Um, I think it's in New York. I'm pretty sure. Um, it is very similar, anyway, to that, isn't it? It does remind me of that. I was like, oh, is it... the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, is he going to catch them at the next subway and then go to the next one, like in that film? But no, he just. Nope. No, he just fucking crashes. Like you do when you're going through like 500 people in a parade. It's really good. I, I, I love it, kind of. And. And yeah, it just makes like, okay, so you really thought you were going to have like a movie car chase? Nope. Nope. Reality. <laughs> Reality sets in. Uh, and uh, it leads to the ending of this movie, which is, just, again, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. Um, and this, when, when Sally real, realizes things have gone bad and that she made a mistake, <laughs> it's just, uh, and you, you see it on her face, her realization, it's just. Yeah, yeah, and it's and for him it's all his fault. Like she was constantly trying to just escape the city and go away, and he he stops her from taking the train. He convinces her to go look for the tape. He's like the cause of so much of of everything. Like he yeah. put his nose into something and wanted to release the truth because of the guilt he felt before. But the only thing he got in the end was more guilt. Yep. Yeah. And it's it's yeah yeah it's, it's hard it's yeah. hard to it's such a hard ending to the movie especially when he you think oh he's did he stop her from dying is he on time when he's stabbing uh right uh they go through through his they go through his uh in his stomach but no she had her throat slashed already and then you see the news report that she that in the news like she was the woman stopping it and it has nothing to do with the uh with the murder of the politician and it's so yeah like he he lost he tried and he's even worse than he was before just because he tried to redeem himself yeah through that yeah it's it's uh yeah his story is not it's not it's not a happy one at the end but it's just so well done <laughs> yes it's, it's it's just like like both these films are just great storytelling like full of like uh, you're always like i i i the type that enjoys storytelling more than story in the sense that like the story can be very basic but it's mm-hmm. only how it told it's told that's very that's the most interesting yes. but those films just have good stories as well 
Yes, yes. They... Like, just just reading a synopsis would be like an interesting read, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these will both work as paperback novels, easily. Like, these would be great, like, pulp uh, mystery novels, easily. Um, and uh, I, I believe License to Kill might have actually been, but like the older 1930s version of it uh the the initial movie was based on um but yeah like yeah these are both they're both such well told mysteries and and it's just and you're just so interested in the stories as you're going along um which is what i love about it uh quite a bit yeah yeah blowout is a it's a fascinating movie, and if you haven't seen it, which you probably haven't, because my understanding is that License to Kill was a bigger movie. Um, uh, just to Kill. Yeah, Just to Kill. What did I say? License <laughs> to Kill? <laughs> you said that like three times. License to Kill also was a bigger movie, uh, definitely. <laughs> uh, uh, that was uh, my James Bond bleeding in. Um, but yeah... Um, yeah, I don't know where to go now. Uh, other than I, I do like that I just, he like. I, yeah, I just ahead. like how good of an antagonist Lit, Lithgow is. Like yeah. he changes the tire in the middle of the night in like the most like it's like I'm watching um like a, 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 a Phantom Thief, not not that, but a a, a cat burglar. Oh is yeah. That yeah. Yeah. Like he's so smooth in that, like it's, it's mm-hmm. in that, uh, like changing that tire in the middle of the night, just dropping it, making it roll and stuff. At the end, it's beautiful. It's like right. it's it's just so competent. No, he, he he's the kind of guy that you would imagine would have that handy. Like yeah. he would have a replacement tire handy for specifically that reason, anyways, yeah. <laughs> if he yeah. needed to. He manages to like go into his office and erase all his tapes just to be sure. Mm-hmm. He like he makes him seem crazy to the police. Yep. He to himself like when when his tape was er- erased, he feels like he's losing his mind, and then his only rock is actually Sally. And then he 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 has he always comes up with a plan that's awful like he's an awful awful guy but yeah man is he good as like just an antagonist yeah. he's like he's like batman if batman batman was like a <laughs> telephone guy <laughs> yeah i mean he would he, he's he is kind of like a super villain in many many ways uh yeah very uh yeah he's, he's just so competent as a bad guy as we as we see by the end when he kind of wins <laughs> but, but yeah like i do love that i also love his death kind of that like travolta just comes up behind him and he just stabs him yeah. <laughs> like, multiple times just no regard no, no like i'm gonna turn you into the police like no fuck you you're dead yeah. <laughs> i'm done with you and your bullshit um I like that quite a bit, actually, because you don't see that in, in movies anymore or ever, really. Like, a character just, like, ferociously killing the bad guy in that way. Um, this doesn't happen. That, that ending scene is 
fucking heart wrenching. Like, yeah, he, she's she's screaming over like uh, on the top of that building, and there's fireworks, and there's the parade party. It's the a great night, and it flashes. Like you see all those flashes of light mm-hmm. of red, white, and blue. Yeah, and she just he finds her dead, and he's devastated in yard too and it's such a strong ending yeah the 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 shot of just yeah that just round shot of just him and his reaction and the light and it's 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 probably one of my favorite moments in any movie like it's just it's just so it's so gorgeous and it's so but it's so emotionally impactful at the same time um, you don't get many scenes like that. You know, there's only one other scene in the same movie that I think is as effective, and it is when he realizes the tapes are gone off, and it's just that camera, and it slowly rotates, and that's a shot that's been only copied recently. I feel like that 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 one hasn't been in you know recycled by a lot of filmmakers. Like it's in It Follows, um, and it's used very well in It Follows um, multiple times. And it's like I remember seeing that shot in an episode of Daredevil once, <laughs> but that's about <laughs> it. Like it really hasn't been copied uh, as many times, and that's something I do like about Blowout. Is there's a lot of stuff in here that feels like dressed to kill, <laughs> but <laughs> but it also feels unique and experimental in ways that feel new. And it's like if this movie had been a big hit we would have seen movies just copying this movie wholesale over time. Um, other than just the few, you know, small cases where that has happened recently. Do you have any closing thoughts on Blowout? I think it's a great movie. It's it's yeah. the one we were talking at the beginning about how, like, uh, a lot of directors are constantly, constantly referring like to the Palma and what to watch, and it's always the one movie that comes out as people's favorite or the best he's done. Like, even yeah. though the one, the one he's most well known for is the one we're gonna talk about next week. Yeah, I, I would, I would say, I do think that this is the one that. If you just want to watch a really good movie, and yeah. you know, and and you don't want any anything, if you don't want to see something that's too violent or too gratuitously sexual, um, if you just want a good movie across the board and a movie that's kind of palatable to wide audiences, this is his most palatable movie, I would say, other than. The Untouchables, maybe, um, which we'll we're gonna get to very soon. Yeah. Um, it's like it's a this is a, I mean it's not a crowd pleaser because of the ending, but it is uh-huh. it is a movie that I think like I could show this to my mother fairly easily and not feel any problems yeah. with that. Um, and I could, you know, show this. I'm to sure. I sh- yeah. I'm. Sh- I, I wonder if my. It's if it's one like my dad used to watch when he used to rent movies, and it's I should I just I just thought about it and I should ask him about it because it's of that time, you know. It's like it's just a great movie, and it's it's I wonder how like 
it's one that I think uh, people found out a lot more after the fact. Because mm-hmm. Just to Kill was so weirdly received, like so both good and bad at the time, and then Blowout. I don't see it has won like many awards or recognition at the time. So it's 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 interesting. I I think the poem was definitely a great uh, storyteller. I think that's what the the one thing we can say out of those two movies. Mm-hmm. Like he writes very good, engaging stories, and they have like very strong uh, themes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Go, go watch these films. Yeah, definitely. Uh, both, of, both of them are great. I, I yes. was super surprised by how much I loved Dress to Kill. Except that, like, except the part we did talk about. Right. Yes, yes. yes much, yes. much. Like, if it's something that's, uh, like, uh, that's a, that will break the experience for you, don't watch it. If, mm-hmm. uh, like, it did for me, but I think I still enjoyed it. Or what right. it is, which is like a pretty great movie from the early '80s. Yeah, yeah. And again, if 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 you just want something with no hangups, and I don't think there yeah. are any in no, Blowout, just go watch Blowout. Um, and uh, uh, prepare yourself for next week because we're yeah. gonna be doing Untouchables and Scarface. Yes. Uh, next week is Gangster Week. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I'll get into it more then. But two films that have a lot of shared lineage so yeah um let's do plugs now because show need to end just something <laughs> uh i'm at ECU on twitter where i where i review every film i watch i think the last one i wrote was my infinity war review which is what it is yeah <laughs> yeah um <laughs> we'll talk about that movie i think when we do our summer recap or something but yeah yeah um let's see i have too many things <laughs> i just so many things um uh this podcast of course which you're already listening to <laughs> you don't need to plug this one on this show. i know but i just i, I don't know i i usually plug this one to be honest uh phantom zone Come on, you guys you guys know. Phantom Zone, it's every week. Uh T V stuff is winding down, at least CW is. Um we're gonna do a cloak and dagger pilot review for everybody who wants that. <laughs> All <laughs> if those you don't huge cloak and dagger fans. Yes, um uh Luke Cage coming at the end of the month, so get ready for that. Um and Preacher. Um so yeah. Uh summer's gonna be big. Uh, we're gonna be doing some uh, comic book stuff because uh, uh, y'all been asking for that. Uh, so yeah, look forward to that. And look forward uh, to the incredible. Is it, which episode is coming first? Incredibles uh, or, or F at the end okay. of the month probably. Uh, again, look forward to the Fantastic Four episode. I yes. was on of the Phantom Zone where I got to call. Uh, Dr. Doom uh, Dollar Store Magneto (laughs) (laughs) It was very good Um, Yes, I look forward to that Um, and our our Incredibles review will also be coming out uh, eventually Um, but yeah go 
go pay attention. Uh, look for that. Um, and, and if you're not into comic books, just listen to the After Dark stuff. I yes. think it's uh, always doing it's very good. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, and I always recommend movie specials just in general. Just because you don't need to watch... You really don't need to have watched the movies <laughs> at all. <laughs> Except for Spawn. You should definitely watch Spawn. <laughs> If you can find it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, go do that. Um, and uh, Annihilation is now on demand, so go watch that. That's our recommendation for the week. Yes, we should. That, this is a new segment that Eric just invented, and I'm behind it 100%. Recommendation for the week go watch Annihilation. Help me. No spoilers <laughs> for what that is, but uh, yeah, go, go see that. Um, Bye! Fuck Roland Goodbye. and Rick. Fuck Roland and Rick.